You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Repeat guest again, Sarah's back. Welcome, Sarah. Here I am, back again. Can't get rid of me. Here she is. You can't get enough of her, or maybe you can. You probably already (laughs) have. (laughs) You probably already have. But for someone who doesn't know that you're my sister, can you tell people who you are in a professional capacity? Yes, absolutely. I am the owner of Sistered States Events, which is a wedding planning company. I am based out of Dallas, but recently, and if you follow Michelle or I, you know that I've gone destination. So planning a lot of events in Mexico, Jamaica, Italy, kind of all over the world. And Michelle's my travel partner. So she comes with me to all these weddings helps me out, assists me, and does all of my content creation for me as well, which is invaluable because, again, if you follow me, you know that I am also pretty active on TikTok. So all of that content creation goes straight into TikTok videos, which gets me more destination clients. So it's a really happy symbiotic relationship for us, mm-hmm. apart from being sisters. That as well. And besides the fact that we call and get business advice from each other and brainstorm with each other on the reg. But we wanted to take this episode to dedicate it to the birthday box, and we'll let you clear the record and tell the story of how it actually picked up steam on TikTok, and we'll kind of walk through what this whole thing was. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I just had my 30th birthday in Italy. My sister was able to come. My friends came. It turned into a whole pitching opportunity. We worked with a bunch of brands. It was awesome. But maybe we start from the beginning of like even booking this trip. How long ago have we been talking about this? Forever. Yeah, we've been talking about it for at least a year, if not more, of like doing something really epic for your 30th birthday. And obviously, if you know Michelle at all, you know the obvious answer is Italy. Like she's not going anywhere else. She's going to Italy. So it was toyed around for a while. I think I was the one who actually peer pressured you to book something. It was around January. Michelle's birthday is in June. And in January, she still hadn't booked anything, which if you know me, I'm a planner. So that was driving me insane because I planned things so far in advance and it was four months in advance. We still don't have anything. So on the phone one morning, Michelle found an Airbnb and was like, do I book it? Do I book it? I don't know. And through my peer pressure, we got it booked. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There were a few goals with the place too. And being someone that looks at destination locations, like what things are you paying attention to in a foreign country? I know what I'm looking for, which is like, I wanted to make sure there was enough space for everybody to hang out. There were indoor and outdoor spaces. We were like walking distance to a good amount of restaurants, food options, but also that the inside was the right aesthetic. Yeah, you need the aesthetics for sure. I mean, obviously you look at all the logistical stuff, like you don't want to be in an Airbnb that's going to be a hassle to get to and from every single day. We were just talking about that yesterday because we're in the process of booking Lake Como. And you don't want something that's like super far up in the mountains that you can't get to easily and you can't get to other restaurants. So Logistics aside, I mean, those are the obvious things that people look at. But then some of the not obvious things is the aesthetic. You want the inside to be pretty, you want the outside to be pretty. And you want that like certain look because I mean, we're people who take a lot of pictures and a lot of content on trips that we go on. So if you have like a ugly digi living room, you're not gonna want to take pictures in it. Or if you don't have a nice big backyard terrace, like where are you gonna take your pre-dinner photos? So, you know, having a nice backdrop, a pretty location. And then obviously all the logistics as well as enough space and easily accessible. 
And that backdrop, like it pretty much doesn't get better than that one. I think that's what really sold us on the B&B listing, especially because of the White Lotus influence of the whole thing. I am obsessed with White Lotus, specifically season two. So let's kind of talk about invite boxes. I think you probably also peer pressured me to do this because of your background in weddings and events. Like you need to PR box the shit out of your birthday. Yeah. So the most thing closely associated to that in the wedding world is like bridesmaids proposal boxes. Like everyone loves to do the bridesmaids proposal boxes. And you and I have talked about for years how it's a fun idea, but it's just always so misexecuted, like wrongly done. Like it just, they're corny or they're tacky or they're dated or you're a bridesmaid who's getting a bunch of stuff with something that says bridesmaid on it that you're never going to use that you don't actually want. I mean, like, I'm sorry to my friends. I love them. But like, I don't need another scrunchie and a shot glass that says my name on it. I don't take shots. I don't need a shot glass with my name on it. I don't need a scrunchie. I don't need another silk eye mask. I've got like five of them. So we've always kind of talked about how they were wrongly executed. And both of us haven't been married yet. So this was our opportunity to like kind of do something in that realm, but something that made sense for the event that we were doing. So I think when we talked about your birthday being in Italy, we talked about wouldn't it be so cool to do almost like a bridesmaid's proposal box, almost like a mock bachelorette kind of thing, but do it for your 30th birthday and do it really well in the way that we haven't seen other people execute it yet. So we didn't do any of the tacky scripty fonts or any of the like bride tribe or 30th birthday sash or anything other than the actual invitation saying 30th birthday, you would have never known that this was for a birthday. And that's kind of how I think we had talked about you wanting it and just having something extremely curated and extremely fun. And, you you know, having an ability to celebrate your friends and, you know, they're obviously going to be making all this effort to come out to Italy. So why not like give them this epic invitation to really like mark the occasion, set the tone, set the aesthetic. And I think even from the invitations, like on the trip, everyone knew exactly what to pack, how to dress, what the vibes were. Totally. Cause we all went out to dinner one night. We're all in orange and pink and yellow and like all of the shades of the invitation. So it's something that people talk about in the wedding industry. A lot of your invitation setting the tone for your event. And that's completely the route that we took almost to an extreme. Yeah. An extreme, but also like a perfect extension of my brand. I haven't ordered merch. I've owned my business for nine years. I've never ordered merch with my logo on it because to be honest, I never loved my logo until I actually sat down and reworked it this last December, January and made it like a little bit more fun and a little curly and kind of has that like broke look to it where you don't need to know what the brand is to like want to wear the logo necessarily. A lot inspired by like Celine and some of the bigger fashion houses. But to be able to do that on the terry cloth bag and the terry cloth hat, I think was so fun because it was the logo, of course, and it kind of was like business expense meets. I'm going to give this to my friends because this is an extension of me and an extension of my business. So that was a really fun thing that kind of like set the foundation. Let's like give a moment for the sunglasses. Yeah, the sunglasses were epic. I feel like the sunglasses were really like sealed the deal. And I love kind of towing this line of inspired by high fashion. So like inspired by Prada, inspired by, you know, some of these nicer brands that do nicer merch. And they're totally ordered on Alibaba. There's a whole TikTok about it. But doing the custom again, like you said, like wasn't going for corny, like MKW30, like super cheesy. It's in there. It says MKW30, but it's kind of like under the name Ischia, which is fun. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. Very like extremely curated. I think 
you could say the boxes were of like, again, there was a theme and the theme wasn't birthday. And I think that's where people missed the mark with bachelorette invitations or bridesmaids proposal box where the theme is bridesmaid or the theme is bachelorette. Like it's not, that's not a theme. Totally. You need a theme to be like, I mean like yours, which was like white Lotus Aperol spritz. That was the theme. And from there you can build infinitely on top of that and use that as your inspiration for what the sunglasses should look like and the invitations and the bags and the jewelry and all that kind of stuff where the theme wasn't 30th birthday. Right. I think that's a really good distinction. Then, of course, we had to post them on social. I took a reel first, posted one. It did okay. It did like okay on TikTok. And then you were like, okay, send one to me. Let me do what I do. So what do you what do you think is the difference? Let's set the record straight. First of all, you were not going to send me an invitation because all of her friends that were going on the trip, most of them are all local in San Diego. So the invitations were getting hand-delivered because they were these big boxes. Yeah, I spent like $80 shipping it to you. Yeah. I was like, do I get an invitation? And she said, no, you know, you're coming. You're my sister. I'm not sending you one. I said, if you send me one, I'll post it on my TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I think that was enough just to see kind of where it would go. Cause you had posted one. You said, didn't really go anywhere. So like send it over. So she sent me one and I knew again, that this was a very similar realm to bridesmaids proposal boxes. I was like, I see this all the time on my TikTok anyway of brides looking for fun invitations for bachelorettes, for weddings, for bridesmaids proposal boxes, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, I really think that this will do well with my audience because it's such a close crossover. So I posted a video about the invitations. And I mean, from there, it just kind of took on a lot of steam. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Grew really quickly. I think also the way you made your video was different from mine. Like me making a video, I didn't include voiceover. I just had audio. I just had like really glossy visuals, which was cool, but it lacked that like, I think relatability or attainability. And then I think your storytelling on top of that and your audience being people that that is your target market. And I think that that's the difference too, between like your business and my business. And we've talked about this before. Is like, everyone understands what it means to have a birthday. Everyone understands what it means to go to a wedding or have a wedding. Not everyone understands what it means to own a marketing agency. So like by default, your content has a larger reach. Is more relatable. Than mine does. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But you said some like key things in the TikTok. I'm trying to remember it all the way through now. But I think like even coming from your POV, like my sister is doing this and she sent it to me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what some of the comments are? So I think the video, like my audio on it was like, no, this is not a PR box. It's a birthday invitation. Like my sister's a graphic designer. We're doing this really epic birthday in Italy. And she wanted to, you know, make these invitations for her friends. Everything that is in here was completely branded. It's so fun. It totally matches her personality. If you know her, you know, she loves an Aperol spritz. And this is just like a personified Aperol spritz in a box, essentially, without it being just Aperol. Booze. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, without it just being booze. So that was kind of the key points of the video. And then I think a lot of the comments were mostly positive. (laughs) You always get the few like negative ones, but they were like, oh my God, this is so cool. I would love to do this for my 30th birthday. Like this is so different. Or like, I want to do this for my bachelorette party, that kind of stuff. Some people, which is always fun, were very like, not confused, but being like, wow, she must be rich. Or like, (laughs) I wish I could have friends that would go to Italy for my birthday and like that kind of stuff. So it was really Uh 
Or I guess my sister doesn't love me. Yeah. That was a funny comment. Yeah. So it was like fun to just kind of tiptoe the line of like relatability, but also like aspirational. Like it was relatable in the way that we're doing, like everyone has a birthday. Everyone wants something special to do for their birthday. It was obviously aspirational in the fact that we are very privileged and not everyone gets the opportunity to go to Italy for their birthday or have their friends have the means to fly out to Italy for their birthday. So it was something a little bit different and aspirational, but it was also really fun and attainable to be like, you can do this for your wedding. You can do this for your own birthday. It doesn't have to be in Italy, but it's a way for you to mark an occasion in your life that like is not just a wedding. Because obviously our society likes to celebrate things like weddings and babies and all that kind of stuff. And when before you get to that point, there's not a lot in your life that you get to celebrate. So it was fun to like mark the occasion and show other people like you can celebrate your 30th birthday, even if it's a backyard birthday party at your parents' house. Make some epic invitations. Have a theme. Yeah. And what I loved the best about it was really like getting my friends, like giving them a glimpse into like my work life because my work is so important to me. And I think yours too, to be able to go over the top for them in a way that I would usually do for like my clients, for example, was really fun. And then to have them unbox, I think it just became I think there's also like a culture and I've talked about this on the podcast before. There's a culture of when you follow people on social media and you follow these influencers, we've spent the better part of 10 to 15 years watching people unbox shit, like watching influencers, unboxings, watching brands, invite people places, watching these trips unfold. And it is that kind of like aspirational thing. But then to just give that to your friends who like don't work in that world, it just feels like such a treat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean like my similar comparison to that is being in the wedding industry, I get invited to a lot of wedding industry events. So a lot of events that are put on by other wedding vendors, whether it be other planning companies, catering companies, bands, that kind of stuff. And usually they come with open invitations. So I love bringing my friends to work events that are put on by the wedding industry because I mean, I don't go to many corporate events, but I have to imagine they're very different than the corporate events that my friends are going to because These are full out flowers coming from every corner, really good food, really good drinks, really good entertainment, really good decor and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a completely different world. So like bringing my friends into that world is really fun for me in that sense. And, you know, in kind of the same way that doing an unboxing or coming up with really branded stuff for your friends was probably really fun for you because it was giving that to your friends in a way that you would give it to your clients. Right. Let's talk about that because you have really good insights on the wedding industry, obviously. But let's kind of, I guess, go down the road of where do we think this culture around weddings comes from? Obviously, weddings have been around for a very long time, but the wedding, like the big ta-da, the production, the whole, I just think back to like My Super Sweet 16, the show, and like how that has evolved. But Talk about the influence of social media and celebrity culture and all these things and how the difference between like you're in Dallas, which is like a really large market, the difference between that and like a destination wedding, kind of give us your top of the dome thoughts of like, this is what I've noticed since I started my business in the wedding industry. I know that was a big abstract question, but I think I'm even thinking of the years since I've started my business, right? My understanding of branding has grown tenfold. I used to think it was just logos, fonts, colors. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's logos, fonts, colors, patterns, icons. Whoa, 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 whoa. Logos, fonts, colors, patterns, icons, experiences, merch, da, 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 da. Right. Okay. I think the farther I go into the luxury market, which I obviously didn't start out in the luxury market. I've been working my way up for the last few years and I'm not even in the like ultra luxury. 
But the further in you go to luxury, the more that you realize it's a wedding is people like to explain it as an experience. It's not just a day. It's not just flowers on a table with a cake. Some weddings are, and that's completely fine. But in the ultra luxury market or like the aspirational market is like, it's an experience. It touches on all five senses. You know, your wedding has a smell and a look and a feel and a touch and all these things. And, you know, down to the texture of the linen or some people are, you know, making custom candles for their wedding so that their wedding has a scent and it's the temperature in the tent and it's the music that's coming through the speaker. It's everything. So like, it's a whole experiential you know, you go in and you get to experience everything all at once. And then it really plays into why destination weddings are so popular because it's a whole weekend event as well. And I think it's a lot easier to manufacture those touch points when you're working in a destination than it is in the United States and some of these venues that even though these venues in Dallas or the US are gorgeous, they're standalone venues where you walk in at 5 p.m. You walk out at 11 p.m. And you're only there for six hours and it's a cookie cutter venue where you can make it whatever you want, but those are almost harder to build off of an atmosphere where like you're in Italy. So like it already comes with its own atmosphere by default. It comes with its own aesthetic. So you know that you're going to be serving an Aperol spritz and the wedding's going to smell like jasmine because there's jasmine growing everywhere. And then the linens are going to be maybe a little bit more organic and natural feeling and the flowers are going to be more organic. And it's kind of building upon that built-in aesthetic, whereas in the US, it's a little bit harder and you have to work harder to manufacture that environment. And it's not impossible. You can definitely do it. And there's a lot of planners who do it really well within the United States, but it's definitely you have to manufacture it. Whereas when you're going to Italy, you're going to Mexico, you're going to Jamaica, those environments are already there and you can just kind of build upon them because if you're in Jamaica, your custom drink's going to be a rum punch. If you're in Italy, your custom drink is going to be an Aperol spritz. And it just makes so much sense. Like, of course, you're going to be serving drinks out of a coconut in Jamaica, obviously, versus, but you're in Mexico and you're doing a margarita. Versus like in Dallas, not every bride that gets married in Dallas wants a Dallas themed wedding. Exactly. That's just not a thing that you would do. No. So I think another thing that you do really well that you've been helping your clients with is help them find that like middle of the Venn diagram of theme, because we're talking about a lot of things here, right? We're talking about aesthetics. We're talking about theme. We're talking about creating a vibe or creating an energy around an event. When someone brings you like a bunch of different inspo, how do you try to help get them to like that middle ground where you're like, okay, this is something we can sink our teeth into? I'm someone who always encourages people to have a theme. And I think theme gets really misinterpreted, misconstrued in the wedding industry because they think a theme is like something tacky or kitschy or whatever. But having a theme will allow your creativity to spiral endlessly because you can build upon it, build upon it, build upon it. A theme is not garden. Right. You can't have a garden theme. I mean, you can, but that it's just way too vague. Or your theme can't be fall. That's not a theme. But I have a client coming up next year who's getting married in Napa and they wanted, I mean, they told me I want a garden theme. I want it neutrals, whatever. After taking a look at their... Pinterest board after sending them a design questionnaire and getting to talking to them, I came up with this like vintage Ralph Lauren theme, which is a theme. Like it's an aesthetic, but it's a theme. So looking at like the Ralph Lauren cafe in Paris and like looking at the Ralph Lauren home interiors, like it's a lot of stripes. It's very preppy. The flowers are really neutral, but you've got that sterling silver, like mint julep cup everywhere. And you've got 
the garden chairs. And it just allows you to build upon that theme endlessly at every touch point for if you say, I want a Ralph Lauren garden aesthetic, then like that already tells me what kind of drinks we're going to have, what kind of food we're going to have, what the waiters are going to be dressed like, what the tables are going to look like more beyond just, I want a garden wedding. It's the same in my business. It's exactly what we did with Fit Boss Blueprint. Like it took us not till the end of the brand questionnaire to figure out that he wanted bougie bat cave converted to personal gym home office. And I was like, okay, that's something I can work with versus fitness brand. <laughs> like that's too big. Yeah. Versus masculine fitness brand. Like that can be a million different things and people can interpret it in a million different ways. And I think that's why you and I both have such extensive design processes at the beginning of our client onboarding process. I have a design questionnaire that my clients fill out, which yes, it says like, what do you want your colors to be? What's your general style? But then it gets into like, what Instagram accounts do you follow for home decor? What Instagram accounts do you follow for personal aesthetic? Where do you shop? You know, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? And for example, again, my Napa clients, I asked them, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? And they said, Nantucket. And I was like, great, amazing, perfect. Great. We're going to have hydrangeas everywhere now. That's fantastic. Just like those touch points can allow you to build on so much more and create such a more specific theme than just like, again, in the wedding industry, people like to say, I want boho or I want preppy or I want fall or winter theme. And you're like, but what about that? Do you want represented? Because it could mean a million different things. And then again, you can build on a million different touch points. If you follow me on Instagram or TikTok, you saw my butterfly wedding I did last year. And they came to me saying, I want a garden wedding. And it wasn't until halfway through the process that the bride was like, you know, I really like butterflies. Can we incorporate that? And from there, we just completely ran with it. Like it was butterflies were in the flowers and butterflies were on the invitations and butterflies were hanging from the ceiling. And, you know, it was everywhere in every single touch point. You had butterflies in the motion graphics on their giant screens. Yeah, exactly. And she had her dress had a big bow on the back that looked like butterfly wings. And, you know, it was just so many different touch points that we could then build upon to where like it's creating an overall theme. Like even the table numbers were cut out butterflies and all that kind of stuff. Obviously we went very heavy into that one aesthetic of she loved butterflies. So we put it everywhere. So you can go down, you know, zeroing in on something. Or if, you know, she was like, I like butterflies and tea parties and this and that, then it just kind of gives you more to build upon than just like, I want lots of flowers and I want it to look like a garden. Right. Well, what you're doing is you're creating a cohesive story. So when you create a cohesive story, it makes it really easy to know, like, what are we going to say yes to and what is not a good fit, right? Because if she's like, oh, butterflies, 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 and all of a sudden ladybug, it's like, no, no, we're doing butterflies. We're not doing ladybugs. We're doing butterflies. So I think that that's the thing is like when you're hosting events or when you're building brands or you're building any kind of like moment, the more specific you can get in a theme, like it feels like it's stifling, but it's actually the opposite is true because you get instead of breadth, across, you get depth in one area. And when you can go deep on something, you can actually make something memorable instead of just being like, yeah, it's a perfectly beautiful wedding. Yeah. And if you like happen to scroll really, really, really far down on my TikTok, I actually have a video. This was probably two or three years ago. And if you're not on TikTok, I'm so sorry, because you're not going to understand this reference at all. You had to have been on TikTok in like 2020, 2021, when Ratatouille the musical was really big. And all of TikTok during the pandemic was like creatively collaborating on what a musical for Ratatouille would look like. And I took that 
kind of creative collaboration that everyone was doing. It was like, this is what a Ratatouille themed wedding would look like. Because obviously to the average consumer, they're like, I don't want a Ratatouille themed wedding. I don't want rats. And like, I don't want it to look really childish. I don't want it to look like a child's birthday party. I don't want it to look like a Disneyland bride. Like, I don't want it to look like that. But I was like, no, a Ratatouille themed wedding. Like, obviously we're going to have like everyone's place setting is going to be a little charcuterie board. And you know, these are going to be the colors and this is going to be the setting and this is going to be the table setting. This is what the flowers would look like. And just building upon something where like anything can be a theme. And if it's something that's meaningful to you, then yeah, let's make it a theme. But like just kind of showcasing, like you can take something as ridiculous as a Disney Pixar movie and make it a theme without making it kitschy or without making it childlike or without making it too immature. Right. So if someone came to you and said, I want a Finding Nemo wedding, how would you make sure that it wasn't kitschy or kid's birthday party? Like what elements, because I know what I would pick out, which is like you said, like color palette, floral, stuff like that. But how would you weave in something that feels so not wedding and make it elevated, make it luxury? I think definitely, I mean, like color palette and things like that. I would really have to rewatch the movie. (laughs) Study (laughs) it. It's been a few years. Yeah, study it. Okay, let's do something more current. Let's say Barbie. Let's say Barbie movie comes out. Someone's obsessed with Barbie. They're like, I want Barbie Dreamland puked on my wedding is what I want. How would you approach something like that, but make it still feel elevated and chic enough to be a wedding? It's not even capturing the look of Barbie or it's capturing the like essence. So like Barbie, you think is very, she's preppy, she's playful, she's colorful. And so kind of using those touch points of like, I mean, I just saw these envelopes and invitations on Pinterest yesterday where the paper was, it's a white paper, but it has like an outline border kind of thing of a color. And I'm not explaining it well, but I like put it on one of my mood boards yesterday. because I was like, I love this because it's so subtle, but it doesn't scream anything and you can make it whatever you want. But again, if it's part of an overall aesthetic, it totally fits. Kind of capturing that playfulness of, you know, a playful font. I mean, I think you will agree with like stationery is a really fun, playful way to incorporate a theme into your wedding. So having like, you know, colorful stripes, whatever kind of stationery, maybe some of the stuff on the tables is like 2D. So like maybe on the tables, you know, we're making 2D plates or like 2D flowers. Because when you look at, you know, think about a Barbie dream house, everything's 2D. Like it's all that like really fun pop art graphics. So like maybe we're doing that on some of the tables or maybe we've got, you know, a vignette of a cake that's 2D or something and kind of bringing it in that way that's like playful and kind of, I mean, if you really wanted to go for it, you could like have your whole wedding look like a Barbie dream house kind of thing where like the dance floor is maybe that pool vinyl graphic of like walking on water kind of thing. And just like having all of those different touch points come to life of again, you walk in and you want people, if you're someone who wants a Barbie dream wedding, then you want it to be playful. You want it to be fun. So you want people to like have this experience, have this childlike experience or that nostalgic feeling of playing in a dollhouse. Something that's been top of mind for our team, because we're about to do San Diego Open, is thinking about brand activations and photo moments. Obviously, those are pretty big at weddings also. You did a great phone booth once upon a time. But can you talk about a little bit like how you can elevate that experience again, like as someone who's invited to the wedding, they get the invitation, they start to understand the vibe, then they show up and you want their reaction to be like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. 
how do you kind of bring that theme through to an activation? Like maybe you can tell us about like the butterfly tunnel. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what my mind went to is that tunnel that I did last year. These clients were getting married at a country club. And like I said, they wanted butterfly garden aesthetic for their wedding. And this country club is gorgeous, but it's indoors and it's a very traditional Southern country club, but it has this really long hallway leading to the ballroom. And this is also a country club that's very well known in Fort Worth. So I would wager that probably 80% of the guests at this wedding have been to this country club before. I mean, I've been to it multiple times, even before I was a wedding planner. So like, it's just a well-known venue. So to kind of create that transformation, we created a really long floral tunnel that guests had to walk through to get to the ballroom to almost just like transport them. Like we wanted them to feel like they were walking into a place that they've never been to before, even though most of those guests have probably been there at least 20 times. So kind of taking them through a space as a transitional period to get to the ballroom to really, again, set the tone set the vibe, set the aesthetic, and also have that like, oh my gosh, wow factor to it as well. It's hard to understand because it's a podcast, but if you're watching on YouTube, maybe we'll throw in some of the photos here. It was kind of a like meandering pathway, right? And it's fully coated in florals, like as if you fell down Alice in Wonderland's rabbit hole. Yeah, it was like a pretty dark tunnel. We had some fun lighting in there. We had butterflies hanging from the ceiling. It was 40 feet long. So it was a very long, (laughs) it was a very long pathway. And yeah, the floor, we put in our own flooring so that you couldn't see the carpet of the wedding venue. And the path was kind of a winding path that people walked down. So there was people in that tunnel, I mean, all night taking pictures because it's just something so unique and so fun. And obviously that came with a really big price point and a budget that my clients had. So that was really fun. But even like the wedding that I did back in December in Mexico, their kind of transitional fun thing was that their ceremony was all neutral. It was all white flowers, white chairs. Everything was very neutral. But at the end of the ceremony, guests were tossing red petals because when you got to the reception, it was like, boom, red everywhere. So it was a really fun touch point that people might not have noticed in the moment, but looking back, they're like, oh my God, how fun that it was an all white wedding when they showed up. And then you get this splash of color tossing red petals at the end of the ceremony. And then they transition right to the reception and it's red flowers hanging from the ceiling, red flowers on the bar, red flowers on the seating chart, red flowers on the tables. Everything was red and black and it was a total 180 from the ceremony, which was all really soft, organic, white neutrals. Yeah. I think people love to notice those things. Like you said, they may not notice them when they're happening, but then once they're in it, it makes so much sense. And I think to kind of loop it back to the topic that we started off with, which is the birthday boxes, like once those videos really kind of took off on social, I pitched like a lunatic to brands saying like, hey, this is something that's going to happen. Like we're going to be taking pictures anyway. We could very easily do some nice product placement here. Did you also just love watching everyone on the trip be immersed in that world? Because to your point, right, when you go somewhere and you create a vibe and you create a story and there's an aesthetic involved everything else just kind of falls into place where everything looks good. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts of like the actual, once we were actually there, the like welcome bag moment, because you do welcome bags with weddings as well. Yeah. Talk about what you'd like typically include in the welcome bag. Yeah. So welcome bags are typically like handed out at hotels so that when guests arrive, it's given to them. And it's just kind of a nice little like hostess gift for the couples to kind of gift the people who they know have been traveling for their wedding. 
And I just recently did one in Santa Fe where the wedding was smaller. So we did these really curated bags for the wedding guests where the bride, the groom, and I actually flew out to Santa Fe about six to eight weeks before the wedding. And we went shopping for a day. And we just went to all the little local stores in the downtown area and picked up like chocolates and local snacks and the like dried chili peppers that you see everywhere in Santa Fe and like Topo Chico. And we had bolo ties for the guys and we had handmade scarves for the girls. And we had the, I'm going to mispronounce this, but the Bisconchita cookies, which are like the state cookie of New Mexico. And then we got local postcards and all this kind of stuff to fill the bags of, we're so happy you're here. Welcome to this place. That means so much to us. Here are some of our favorite local things that we want you to enjoy. Kind of the same way that you know you did with Italy of like, I'm so happy you came all the way to Italy for my birthday. Here's some of my favorite things. It's almost like you get to pretend like you're Oprah putting together your like totally favorite, like your top favorite Christmas list or whatever. I can't even remember what the name of it was. Oprah's favorites. Yeah, your favorites list of like, these are my favorites and I want you to have them because you mean so much to me. And because I'm so grateful for you traveling for my birthday or traveling for my wedding, like I want you to have these things. And it's just a really nice gesture. And I think you and I even talked about that being a branded touch point for my business, for my clients who are going to travel for their wedding, sending them like a little travel necessity kit about a month before the wedding and just kind of giving them a note of like, hey, I'm somebody who travels a lot. Here are my favorite things when I travel. These are my lifesavers and I want you to have them because I want you to have a good experience. And it's that underlying message of like, I want you to have a good time. So I'm going to give you these things because these things are things that I have a good time with. Well, it's hospitality. Yeah. It's nothing if not like hospitality. It's attention to detail and hospitality that goes above and beyond. And some of the heavy hitters in our welcome bags for my birthday were like sunscreen, thigh chafe, deodorant, like the other ones that people love, like the jewelry or like things that you wouldn't think of being included, lip gloss, stuff like that, where it was very low lift for me to be able to include these in a bag. My friends loved it. And then the brands freaking loved it because there was an opportunity to be part of this storytelling moment, right? And I've now had like follow up calls with all the brands that we included. And it's been great because they said, you know, the content was just so organic and so real. And then just like had this like natural air about it, because like, it just made sense for what we were doing and where we were going. Yeah. And it's such an organic reach, like you talked about too, of like, you're somebody who like you curated these brands, you chose these brands, because you like these things. But now instead of just emailing a brand and saying like, hey, send me one bottle of perfume and I'll make a video about it. It's like, send me five bottles of perfume. I'm going to give them to my five best friends and your best friends trust you. So they're going to use this perfume and guess what? They're going to tell their friends about it. And because the boxes were such a moment, everyone's already looking at them being like, oh my God, you're going on this incredible trip. So like you're posting videos about it and being like, oh my God, what was that perfume that you used in Ischia? That's so cool. And that kind of stuff. So it just has such that organic outreach instead of just like, hey, send me something free and I'll post a video, which is fun. And like, we all do it, but it feels so much more transactional. There's a story. Yeah. Well, it feels more transactional when it's like, just send me this and I'll give you that versus send me this because I want to gift it to my friends because I think it's a great product. And then your friends are like, oh my God, this is amazing. So then they want to promote it because you like it. So like, then they're posting it on their stories being like, oh my gosh, I got this my friend gave me this and it's so amazing. And then it just kind of exponentially outwardly grows from there. Yeah, it was such a 
like you said, organic or inspired, like it just became a very natural, there was no obligation on my friend's part. And I think that was a big part of it too. I didn't want my friends to come all the way to Italy and feel like that I was putting them to work. But I also loved waking up every morning at like eight or 9am and then spending like two hours making flat lays out on that patio because that was like the most fun. But the deliverable on the brand side was giving them that album of images. So I have a podcast episode called How I Pitched. And then like this whole process explains if you want the nitty gritty, that's where that lives. But to be able to deliver to them full Google Photos albums of like, hey, here's a whole bunch of like uncut, unedited, you can add whatever text you want, tag us, don't tag us, I don't care. I took them, have them kind of like and giving it off is really similar to what I think what really inspired that for me was following you around on weddings and realizing that there's no one that's really taking the behind the scenes for the photographer, for the videographer, for the florist, for the event manager, like the people that are in your world. And so then that's something that you and I try to do, especially on these destination weddings, be like, oh yeah, by the way, we'll just give you all the clips. Yeah. Here's a shared album of everything that we took videos of. Because that's actually authentically showing someone doing their job. Because if you're on your job, like I wish sometimes I had someone that could just come and take video of me taking client calls all day and like getting on TikTok live, but I only have one phone. So I'm almost at the point where I need to have two phones to be able to film myself, filming myself so that you get that like third person, like sit over your shoulder perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why kind of what we talked about at the beginning, like the behind the scenes content creation has done so well for me on TikTok is like, there's such, again, an organic and attainable value to like showing the behind the scenes. And that's really what I think TikTok was inadvertently created for because Instagram, we've talked about the difference in marketing too, but like Instagram is show me the prettiest image you can show me the best, most pristine, beautiful, unattainable, aspirational picture you can. And then your whole feed, especially if you follow a lot of wedding planners, it's just that it's just like pretty picture, pretty picture, pretty picture, pretty picture. And where Instagram kind of serves as a portfolio of like, look at the really cool things I can do. Whereas TikTok's kind of more of a place to engage with people and show that more organic, that more just like organic of like, if you work with me, like this is kind of what your wedding day is going to look like. Like, I can't promise you that you're going to have flowers everywhere, but you know, here are the like touch points of the behind the scenes of how your wedding day could look, or even more importantly, how it's going to feel. Cause like a look is subjective and all that kind of stuff. And there's a million different ways that your wedding day can look, but in the general sense, everyone wants to feel the same way on their wedding. They want to feel special. They want to feel celebrated. They want to feel, you know, important and loved and all those things. And so TikTok and videos and music, there's a really great way to curate that feeling of hire us. And this is how your wedding day is going to feel. And like taken care of. Like I think of the clip of you walking down the steps with Katie and Matt on their wedding and like you're holding her flowers for her in her veil and you're schlepping all of her stuff. Just be like, you go. We want a cute picture of you. Like, I'll carry all the things. You go get that like motion blur shot of you running across the street just after a wedding in Italy. And I'll be here in the background. <laughs> like, yeah. You're a total schlepper. And that, but showing that is an angle that I think other planners don't share. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's a really fine line between showing and telling. I am someone who would rather show than tell because. I could get on a face to camera video and tell you, I'll carry all your stuff for you on your wedding day. I'm your wedding planner and I'll make sure that everything goes exactly according to plan and you'll have a stress-free wedding and all the things that like almost are like you should expect those things from your wedding planner. Like you should expect that your wedding day is going to be stress-free if you're paying for a wedding planner. I don't need to tell you that. 
but I'm going to show you in a video of like, and I think that's why people like it when I share TikTok videos, because everybody wants to feel like the star. They want to feel like the celebrity. They want to feel important. So on my videos, I'm going to say, look at this amazing, beautiful bride. She's so gorgeous. Look at them. They're having their moment hand in hand, splashing in the waters of the Amalfi coast. And then, you know, you see me on the side. Pan too. <laughs> yeah, pan to me and like my hair is in a bun and I'm holding all their stuff and I look disgusting, whatever. But like, it's not about <laughs> me, it's about you. So like, I'm not going to make a video telling you about me, about like, oh, I'm going to do these things for you. I'm going to show you a video of this is what you could be doing on your wedding day. This is what you can feel like. This is what you can look like. This is the vibe that you can have on your wedding day. And then it's not necessarily me explicitly saying, you have this because I did this. It's kind of that underlying message that's not really being, again, explicitly delivered to the client. You know, like, I'm going to make that happen for you. You don't have to worry about what I do to make that happen. Just know that that's going to happen for you. Yeah. The other video I think of is like after the rehearsal walkthrough with Palmer and Devin of like everyone going around and giving you high fives. Yeah. Wow. That was so easy. That was so great. You killed it. Crushed it, Sarah. Like, we're so excited for tomorrow. Those candid little things, I think, do so much for telling the story of what it's like to work with you that you otherwise wouldn't get. Me, on the other hand, I can go on TikTok Live and be like, this is how I make a logo. People can't really be sitting on your shoulder the entire wedding day. So having those kind of clips to put you in context, I think then you become the character, for lack of a better term, in your social storytelling. And it's, again, it's that unexplicit message of, again, I could get face to camera and say, I'm going to run your rehearsal and it'll be 20 minutes and it'll be great and you're going to love it and it's going to be so easy. But is that going to be translated as well as, you know, like the video you referenced of at the end of a rehearsal, the entire wedding party giving me like a high five being like, this is great. We're so excited. Like, no, that's obviously going to carry so much farther of a message than like me just telling you, I'm going to run your rehearsal and it's going to be great. Totally. It's the same thing as like wearing the earrings and carrying the bag on my birthday that was sent from a brand, right? Like I'm authentically wearing that on my 30th birthday. Like I'm not having to pose be like, get ready with me for my 30th. No, I'm just wearing it. Like it's just part of your life, taking it off. Yeah. You're not like making a video, (laughs) wearing it and then taking it off and changing into something else. It's like, this is me organically wearing this on my 30th birthday with my friends in Italy, like in a gorgeous, beautiful backdrop. Yeah. It just makes it so much better and so much more real. Yeah, absolutely. With a few minutes left, do you want to tell us about some trends or things that you're excited about in your industry that have you fired up? Yes, I do. <laughs> There's a lot. Lay it on us. Yeah. I feel like I've been making the same design board over and over again, but like different iterations of it, but I love it. So it's totally cool. No surprise to you, handwritten invitations, calligraphy, stationery, all that kind of stuff is huge right now. A lot of like watercolor, handwritten, very artistic. I mean, I think for, we've talked about this for the last few years and I was even talking to our mom, who's an interior designer. I would talk to her about this last week about how everything for the last few years has been so neutral. It's all been whites and neutrals and blah, blah, blah. And we're swinging the pendulum to the other side of like a maximalist color and funky fonts and playing with textures and layers and all this kind of stuff. It's no longer white flowers on a white linen. So I think handwritten stationery is really big. I think colors, just in general, colors are coming back full force. Lots of oranges and blues and purples and pinks and reds and yellows. And that whole spectrum has been really fun. Yeah. Like look at every major fashion house that had a hotel beach club takeover this summer. Yeah, totally. That's your case study. Yeah, a hundred percent. Another fun one that I think we're going to see everywhere is bridesmaids baskets instead of bouquets. 
that's definitely, I've seen it at least three or four times now. And when that happens, then you know, it's just going to be, give it six months and it'll be everywhere of like the wicker baskets with flowers in it. I think that's going to be a really big thing coming up. I actually have a running list on my computer. Of trends. <laughs> yeah, I want to see because I had made a note the other day to write a blog post about it and I just hadn't yet. Do you think we're moving away from like the country club aesthetic? I saw somebody post on threads. I swear to God, if I see another brand do a country club golf tennis theme drop, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's kind of where you've couched your brands. So you still think you could ride it out, but... Yeah, we redid my brand like two or three years ago. So like I was... I'd like to think ahead of the curve on that of it was really cool to be doing the tennis preppy old money country club. I think now it's still in that realm of like, obviously with Sophia Ritchie and everyone's talking about quiet luxury and all that kind of stuff and what it means to be have old money or quiet luxury or that like luxury aesthetic without being loud. So I think that's still very much the case. I mean, like, you know me right now, I'm personally obsessed with the Belmont train in Scotland, the Royal Scotsman. And it's that whole thing personified, that like quiet luxury, the really nice mahogany train and the fine dining and all that kind of stuff. So that still, I think, is a overarching aesthetic that's playing out a lot right now. But I think people are taking that aesthetic and kind of making it a little bit more realistic by just being a little bit more playful with it as well. So like all these like Kobo weddings and Italy weddings and all that kind of stuff that I'm doing, like they still want that luxury aesthetic, but it's a little bit more playful of like, it's colorful. And again, you think about the like pop-ups that you're seeing at the beach clubs, those are colorful and playful and fun, but you know that they're luxury and expensive and they have that high touch point to them. So it's kind of melding those two worlds. Because of consistency, theme, and attention to detail. All the things that we talked about in this episode, right? Having a theme, staying consistent, and then not leaving a single surface unturned with the possibility of adding something to it. Yeah. So like I was making a design board yesterday for clients of mine who are getting married in Lake Como. They want their colors to be orange and blue, which is a really big color combo this year. And so of course my mind was like, oh, we'll just have it look like the Grand Hotel Tremezzo, which is not where they're getting married, but it's probably the most iconic hotel in Como, which has got the orange and white umbrella stripes and everything. So I need to pitch them on it, but I want to create invitations that have got scallops envelope edges that match the scalloping of an umbrella. And I want the inside envelope liner to be orange and white stripe watercolor. And I want their ceremony to have hand fans because it's going to be outside, you know, the fans that you like paint yourself with, but I want the fans to be orange and white striped fans because we're doing all white for the flowers. So I was like, how do we bring in the orange? Oh, we put orange and white striped fans on all the chairs so that you have that like touch point again. And it's not like we're putting Grand Hotel Tremezzo on everything and we're not like explicitly telling people, but it's just those connections of like, okay, there's this one iconic hotel in Lake Como. They're known for their orange and white striped umbrellas. So like, let's bring in those stripes and that orange and we're going to be serving Aperol spritz and like all that kind of stuff. And again, just kind of going back to that overarching like theme that like, it's okay to have a theme because yeah, because it builds into your overall aesthetic and it lets you create those touch points of like, I didn't want orange flowers for the ceremony because it just, I just wasn't vibing with them. And I was like, but this ceremony needs to have orange other than just giving people Aperol spritz. So, you know, kind of bring it through the stationery or through like, I would love to, I don't think 
they'll go for it or have the budget for it. But I love to do like orange seat cushions on their like iron seats that they're doing out there. Just kind of bringing in those touch points because when you have a theme, every single detail that you do at a wedding or every single detail you do in a brand, you can stop yourself and be like, how can I relate this back to it? Or like when I'm planning something and be like, how can the menu look like Grand Hotel Tremezzo? How can the food taste like Grand Hotel? How can the music sound like this hotel? How can the dinner taste like it? How can the flowers look like it? How can the invitations feel like it? And just like every single touch point, you can always relate back to your overall theme. Well, this was great. We could talk forever, obviously. There's so many things to think about, but I think the biggest takeaway here, obviously we started with birthday boxes, but like theme, consistency, and just like touch point, high touch point, like give an opportunity to wow somebody. I think whether it's an event or a wedding, like you have those chances to do that. And I think those are the things that become memorable. For anyone who doesn't follow you, plug all your stuff, where they can find you, where they can follow you, how they can work with you. Okay, it's gonna be really easy. (laughs) TikTok is Sister States. Instagram is Sister States. And those are my two main accounts. So that's where you can find me. That's where you can follow me. When are you booking for new weddings if someone wants to hire you? Fall 2024. My spring is pretty much closed at this point. Late summer, fall and winter 2024. Open. Give me a call. Yep. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And catch us in Italy again, at least two more times this year, if not again. Yeah, we're in Italy three more times this year. Correct. And then we'll be going next year to the Paris Olympics. Yes, we will. Paris Olympics. Which will be great. So there's lots of opportunities. Also, if you're a brand and you're listening to this and you say, okay, Michelle and Sarah, I want to send you some stuff to photograph while you're abroad because you're going anyway and you're taking great photos and I need organic content. Please hit me up on Instagram, on TikTok, both of us. We'd be happy to help you out in that way. If you want to know the extensive list of where we're going this year. It is Scottsdale, Florence, Luca, Lake Como, London, Puglia, Positano. And then next year is a whole different set of lists, which I have on my website. If you go to my website, the destinations page shows you everywhere I'm going this year and next year. And if you're a brand that wants to collab with us in any of those places, also hit us up because that could be a cool opportunity. Okay, that's it. That's all I have to sling. Goodbye. Ciao. Goodbye. Catch you later. Bye, guys. Ciao. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time. Mm